Uh, yeah, the senior bowls, real quick. I mean, obviously, they're working with the, the North team. I was on the South team, so we didn't get to meet as much as I did with the other teams. Uh, but last night, meeting with Wade Wilson, uh, Coach Wilson just talking about uh, what they expect me to do if I come in there, if it's to be the backup role behind Tony Romo, how do I plan on approaching it, uh, and then just talking ball. So it's uh, been very productive meetings. I'm going to come in every day, uh, no matter where I'm at, and just uh, continue to get better. Uh, I'm worried about just... Uh, getting my foot in the door in an organization and I'll make the most of it from then on. And obviously, I mean, you want to go as high as you can from the financial standpoint, but uh, I'm just really worried about getting my foot in that camp, uh, getting in that organization, uh, showing, showing them what I can do. Only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys indeed? Got a little bit of semi-breaking news here on About Them Cowboys this week. So Cowboys got their guy Dak to sign the franchise tag, but still... No long-term deal for Dak. What does this all mean, big picture? We're going to talk about it today. And it's Sports Music Week here on The Athletic, and you know we got to celebrate that. By the way, 40% off at theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys to get in on that. But I, Kent Garrison, your producer, right now will step aside and welcome in our talent for this episode. First, he needs no introduction. It's Father John Mishota. Welcome back, John. I get to the point where I, I get disappointed when you don't have like comparison for for us. Like I'm always oh, I have so comparisons, intrigued. But I'm so intrigued always. I don't about. want people to hear about this Dak. Want to hear about this Dak stuff and then like be yelling at me for okay, dude. Just Fair talk enough. about Dak. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, there 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 will be plenty of time for my nonsense down the road, John. I assure you. Well, I just uh, want you to know I enjoy it. <laughs> thank you. I, you're you're one of few. Uh, <laughs> and now your host. Kevin, KT, Fun Tweets, Turner. You've always yeah, wanted your you. name uh, pronounced <laughs> like a you know late night talk show. I know you have, KT, and there you go. Yeah, you know me too well. I really want to be the front man, but I don't have the talent for it. So like, uh, yeah, I always wanted that. Like, oh, here he is. Here he is. Dun, dun, dun. The roots are playing. Bam, 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 bam. Now that was. Yeah. Um, no, hold, so on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold okay, on, hold okay, on. Okay, 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 okay. I can see you. Hold on. When I think of an, uh, when I think of someone saying names like that, I think of Saturday Night Live, and I certainly could see you on Saturday Night Live. You know when they introduce oh, man, everybody? That's... Oh yeah, 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 yeah. What a dream! What a dream that would be to come out to that small crowd while that band plays, and then you have a monologue that you have to read that you have to pass through Warren Michaels' office because uh, you know he does, he signs off everything. He's kind of the dictator. Hmm. Um, God, that'd be so great. I'd love that. You get my vote, uh, KT. Just put, put together should... a strong five, and we'll get it into Lauren somehow. You know what? For the you, next and Lauren athletic... probably listens to this show, so of course he's a big cowboy fan, yeah. right? Huge. Um, for the uh, for the next uh, athletic DFW meetup, though, maybe that's the theme. Maybe we do like an SNL, an episode of SNL. Maybe oh, we do like a stage. Fun. That would be a fun, theater, yeah. a theater version of. Uh, the athletic DFW meetup. Uh, only I mean, if, like, only like if a... John does Lunch Lady Land, dressed as the Lunch Lady. <laughs> yeah. Well, how about a or funny you sketch can sing, of uh, sing the the Sandler part and John dresses as the Lunch Lady? That's what we need. Oh yeah, I could easily sloppy Joe, slop, sloppy Joe. Oh, that would not be a problem. That would be fun, man. I I think I like that. I don't know if our listeners would like that. I think they might want to just go like hear what B- Bob and Sean Shapiro have to say about the stars. You know, mm. and if the playoffs happen, but 
you know, we got to get our sports back before we start thinking about these meetups. Oh, yeah, before we have to get our sports back, we have to get past the pandemic. We got a lot going on. But Dak Prescott is like, hey, I'm going to show up to training camp on time, right, guys? Uh, he signed his one-year uh, franchise tag today, so guaranteeing basically that he'll make $31.4 million on the franchise tag. Now, he's got until July 15th to negotiate a deal with the Cowboys, and the Cowboys' old mantra for all these years has been, Deadlines make deals, and they do, and we are. So we'll probably see, uh, you know, them try to try. To, we'll probably hear some more details on on some negotiations over the next twenty five days or so, uh, and see if they get a deal done. But you know, at some point, you know, and who knows what training camp is even going to look like? You know, virtual mini camp has kind of, I think we can all assume, hasn't been terribly, uh, I don't know, beneficial. I guess that would be the word I would say. Uh, but Dak's going to be there, assuming that there is a training camp. So there's a lot of like down the road questions about this, but it is good news that you know Dak signs the tender, and here we go. A negotiation is on. Dak will now get paid very nicely this year. One year, thirty one point four million dollars on the franchise tag. Not too yeah, I bad. Don't really, I don't know. Like, I guess I can understand why. It's a big deal to some because there were people out there who believed that adding Andy Dalton was some type of a sign that maybe maybe Dak isn't going to be the quarterback this year. Maybe maybe they're gonna, maybe they're bringing in Dalton to play hardball. Like, well, I never thought that. So all this does is just basically guarantee that he's going to be at training camp, which I didn't see him missing training camp anyway. But I guess there's always a chance, depending on how nasty things got in negotiations at, as they got closer to July 15th. The other thing that it does is it opens up some dialogue there between Dak and his new head coach, Mike McCarthy, because frankly, up to this point, it doesn't sound like there was a much of that just from the times talking to Mike McCarthy from when he got hired to the combine uh, to before the draft, after the draft, a conference call that we recently had with him uh, a few weeks ago. It just doesn't sound like there was a lot of involvement with Dak and, and their zoom meetings and things they were doing in the off season program. I think that changes now. And so, you know, who knows when they're going to have training camp, if it starts on time, how the season's going to look, anything like that. But this is, I can see it being a slightly positive step, but ultimately the positive, the biggest positive step is them to get a contract done uh, long-term. And they have until July 15th to do that. And I just don't think that this particular, him signing this changes anything with that. As you've probably heard plenty of times, it's the difference between one of the biggest differences, the difference between a four-year deal and a five-year deal. Dak wants four. The Cowboys want to do five. Um, and so that's kind of where they're at there. Um, one other thing though, I just, I see a lot of people bring up Kirk Cousins situation, things like that. I, I just frankly don't see that happening with the Cowboys. I've, I've, I really feel like, I mean, I wasn't covering the Redskins. I don't know their whole out feelings on, on what they thought about Kirk Cousins, but I just don't see it being on the same level as the Cowboys feel about Dak. And so I don't know. I, I know it's boring to just say that expect him to be here for the next five plus years, but that's just how I feel. There's a lot that has to go into that as well. You know, finding a successor and all that stuff. And that's so, that's so down the line. And I agree with you. Not, not much has changed. Uh, let me turn my ringer off idiot. Um, so, you know, not much has changed when it comes to, uh, you know, look, what he's going to make. If, if you would have asked the Joneses three months ago, and if you had asked uh, Dax Camp three three months ago, they probably all would have been like, yeah, we'll probably you know, get to this day. He'll probably sign the tender, and then we'll probably work at it for about a month and see if we can get a, a long-term deal done by the 15th. I think what people are kind of jumping the gun on, and I think people are probably jumping the gun on because 
quite frankly, there ain't a ton to talk about in sports, but jumping the gun on like what that franchise tag looks like down the road. And what I would say is like, even if, if that came back next year, let's say he played on the tag this year, and then we started going down that Kirk Cousins train. Let's just go down that road just for a minute, just for fun. He would make what is projected to be $37 million next year um, on that tag, on the second tag. Uh, I think it's like rounded up to $38 million. You know, if you combine that, that's about, if we're rounding up $70 million for two years of a quarterback, and that would be a 35 and a 35. And that's kind of the number we've been talking about with Dak anyways, right? It's $35 million. You know, the problem is this money would be 100% guaranteed when it's on the franchise tag like that. But they would be uh, top five or six in the league and paying your quarterback if they franchised him for two straight years. Like, that's where they would be paying him. And that's, you know what, he probably feels, hey, I'm a top 10 quarterback in this league. So you'd still be paying him that, that amount of money. So it's just kind of a thing where, like, the details of the long-term deal are very hard to negotiate. They take a long time, especially when there's not really any rush to do it from either side. And, you know, I think we've talked about how the Cowboys should feel rushed. I don't know if that's still in play, man. I mean, I'm sure the Mahomes contract will be uh, astronomical no matter what happens with COVID-19, no matter what happens with the salary cap. And given that the salary cap is based on TV contracts anyway, for the most part, I don't know if the salary cap is going to go down a ton. It might go down a little bit. I don't think it's going to go down a ton. I don't think we're going to see some drastic change in the in the money of the league. You know, I, I realize like we're talking about maybe not having fans and things like that, but you know, the, you're, the league will still be popular and it will get a burst in popularity again if there's no other sports going on at the time in the fall as well. So. Like to me, I look at Dak, and if he pays for thirty-one this year, and if if he signed the second tag at thirty-eight, you don't want to have thirty-eight million dollar hit on your books. It was it's not ideal at all, especially when you're talking about making trades for frustrated safeties for the Jets, you know, and guys that you would need to extend. You don't want that, but if you had to do it, you could swallow that pill. And I think the Cowboys know that if the, the negotiations did get ugly with Dak, they could play that card and get through it. And again, it's not the most comfortable thing, but I think if you went down that Kirk Cousins path, man, I I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I totally agree with you, though, that I don't think the Cowboys would play that card. Yeah, so last week I I wrote a story about Dak knowing that it was going to be, you know, June 15th is going to be a month until the July 15th deadline. And so I talked to Joel Corey, who if you're on Twitter uh, and you follow the NFL like we do, you you know who he is because he's a former agent and he's like one of the best cap guys there is out there. And so I wanted to pick his brain on all this stuff, including what you just talked about in in terms of the cap going up. And, and he says he doesn't see that happening because he thinks that what'll happen is that because the TV deals keep getting greater, there's different things that they can do to basically borrow from the future to keep it as more of a flat cap. So, you know, these last, you know, the last decade, we've seen the cap increase pretty steadily every year. I just think what will happen is that you might not see it increase for another year or two, potentially, if there's no fans in the stands and if, you know, whatever that, you know, it gets to these levels that it might not, we don't know, but there's just a lot of uncertainty right now. So you really don't know. So I found that interesting that he wasn't really selling it as this doom and gloom, like you better take care of everything now, whatever. He did say, though, if the Cowboys do get a long-term deal done with Dak, that one of the biggest things that they'll have to do, which we've talked about before, is they're just going to have to draft really well because they they just have a lot of big money deals that they've that they've paid out recently. 
Although if you do really like break them down, you know, Amari Cooper's technically is only for the next two years, you can get out of that, uh, you know, in the near future. Um, and, and others are, are structured similarly. So there are ways to get around it, but you know, to your point, KT, I just, while it's fun to talk about Jamal Adams, it just doesn't seem that realistic when, if you're going to be signing Dak and then you have these other players that you've signed recently to long-term deals. It, eventually, it gets to the point where you just can't sign everybody because you're going to have to move money around. And uh, so basically, it comes back to the draft. They have to dra- continue to draft well. It appears they have done that this year. Um, but I, one other point I wanted to make that Joel said that I thought was very interesting about Dak is just that if the Cowboys were lukewarm on Dak, like this was the offseason that you would – maybe just give him the transition tag, see if another team was interested because there were free agency options out there. I know that people aren't going to be in love with those free agency options, but there were more so this year with the Jameis Winstons, the Cam Newtons, guys like that, than there have been in previous years. And so if they were kind of like, we don't know for sure what we have in Dak, then you do the transition tag. You see if another team wants to come in there and and then if they sign him, then you can get draft picks in return. They would they would be a little bit more in the fence to give him not only the franchise tag but the exclusive one just shows you how badly they didn't even want anybody else involved in the market they want to handle this themselves and I'm sure to a certain extent I know Ed Warder tweeted this the other day and it's it's true the Cowboys can't be sitting here thinking that um, they have to be a little surprised let's put it that way because they had to be sitting there like hey this guy's barely made anything by league standards at his position over the last four years. As long as we give him a competitive deal, he's going to take it because he's going to be paid significantly more than what he's been making. And he's not willing to do that. And so they probably didn't think he, was, he him and his agency were willing to play the hardball that they're willing to play right now. And so ultimately what happens, I think they eventually give in on it. But I, I'm sure there is a little bit of surprise on their side about that it's gone this far and that there hasn't been a little bit more give from his side. But, hey, that's how negotiations go. I mean, if you're willing to bet on yourself. No, absolutely. And I think when you look at it too, think about the heart of negotiators. Stephen and Jerry think they win every deal, even when they don't. That's the way they go into every deal, thinking they're going to win it. Um, CAA, DAX representation, they go into every deal thinking they're going to win it. And, and I think Stephen and Jerry probably knew with CAA, they're dealing with a little bit of a different animal than uh, just your standard, you know, your standard agent. I mean, that, that's an agency who is going to, you know, suck you dry and try to get as much money as you can get. Um, you know, one thing though I would say too, I, I was reading an article on uh, Over the Cap too, which uh, you know they're pretty good for salary cap type things. And uh, one thing that they were kind of mentioning is, look, you can make both sides happy. You can throw in a four year, and you can have like a fifth year void type thing if you make it this far in the playoffs or put up some type of incentive. And those are things that we sometimes don't talk about a lot because. Quite frankly, a lot of times they're not very public or sometimes they're hard to find. There's little hidden things in deals. I wouldn't be surprised if that's something. They got thrown into a deal to make this work and, and get a deal finally signed for Dak. But like the thing is, like I don't think there's any pressure on Dak to go sign. Dak's, the one thing that Dak could be worried about is a career-ending injury, right? That's the one thing. Other than that, what is it? It, it? It's not. I don't think it's playing bad. I don't think Dak's the type of guy who even fathoms that would even happen. You know, I just maybe. Well, if I play bad, I'm a free agent. Someone will still pay me a ton. Uh, or if the Cowboys still don't want to sign me, I will sign again for 38 million next year. Like Dak's still sitting in the driver's seat of these negotiations, so but, he can just kind of hang out. And let me point this out too, real quick. Um, this this has never been lost on me. And he's said this multiple times in the locker room, including as recently as this past season, is that when he's been asked about 
like right before they played the Patriots about Tom Brady and, you know, playing into your forties like that, like Dak isn't the guy that acts like that. He really wants to necessarily do that. Like there's a lot of other things he says that he wants to do with his life than to just, you know, play football to potentially he's 50. And that's not to say that he's going to retire at, you know, 32 or something like that, but he doesn't necessarily look at himself as one of those guys that's going to be chasing it for as long as let's say like a Tom Brady, because there are other things that he wants to accomplish. He doesn't just look at himself as like, Hey, I'm a football player. That's all I'm going to be doing. I need to max out on these years because once my football career is done, I'm hitting retirement and I'm done. Like, no, there's other things he wants to do, uh, with his life. And so, uh, that always has been there. I've always thought about that with him that, you know, he, he's a guy that as much as anybody I've ever been around will bet on himself. And he's clearly not only shown that, but we're, we're, we're seeing it right now because I think there's, you know, I, I'll ask you this, KT. How many quarterbacks in a similar situation to him in the NFL, we'll say 32 starters in the NFL, um, would do the same thing he's doing right now? Because me personally, I think it's less than 10. It might be five or less, to be honest with you. I think it, that all goes back to like situations, right? And injury histories and things like that when it comes to that. But one thing that I always go back to with Dak is Dak is not as young as maybe we think think of him anymore. Like, he will be 27 when the season starts. He will be 27. And if you think about that, sign a deal at 27. Let's say he signed, let's say he lost the deal and had to sign a five-year deal. 32, let's say they franchised him for two years. 34, like, I guess he could get the, get paid. Like, some of these guys have pay, gotten paid in their mid-30s. We've seen Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, even Matt Ryan was kind of starting to get into his, you know, uh, not in his late 30s, but still kind of in his 30s. Like, they still got a big one there, so he could hypothetically get a big contract again in his early 30s, uh, 33, 34, but this is the big one right here. Like, obviously it would be bigger later on, but, like, this is this is a good chance, like, in terms of market value. This may be the highest you're ever valued. Uh, so, like, you know, I, I, I agree with him on holding out personally. We saw Goff and Wentz say, nah, we're good. We'll go ahead and sign the deal. So I think you're probably right just looking at, you know – the, the players around the league, there's not many of them who haven't, you know, gone ahead and inked the deal. You know, they've ended up going and signing. So, yeah, you're probably right in that number about what you said. But, you know, I'm, I'm inter- interested to see what the next wave of guys do. And the next wave, to me, aside from Deshaun Watson, is, and of course Patrick Mahomes, is kind of a bunch of guys who haven't proven that they're on that level. Like the, the uh, you know, Sam Darnold's of the world or Josh Allen. You know, those guys who are all going to be coming up in a couple years – I'm kind of interested in what they are going to have to look at because, you know, like obviously Mahomes is going to set the market and Deshaun's going to make whatever. I think Dak's got every right to ask for what Deshaun Watson wants. And I think that's the way Dak views himself. So I think that's where you kind of go, like, are the Texans going to lowball Deshaun Watson? When I look at it from the outside and I think of it different, I go, no, they're not. He's everything to them. And I think for some reason, when people look at the Cowboys, hold on, hold on. We don't know. Doesn't it go the other way? There's such a wild card though right now. I, You're I, right. I, if Deshaun Watson was on like because they don't have a GM, 20, right? Twenty seven other teams, twenty eight other teams. I would agree with you completely. But there's such a wild card there that who's to say that that they aren't willing to gamble on possibly going well, in another direction? It sounds crazy, but so does the deal that they well, did to trade DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, and I guess I would say with them, I, I was I was trying to just use them as like a roster example. Uh, but I guess what's – yeah, they all are different because they don't have a functioning GM. Like they just kind of fly by the seat of their pants. But think about like the outside perception 
oh, Deshaun Watson, why would the Texans ever let him go? Like the perception is that Dak needs a lot of help for a lot of people. I mean, there, there's there's more people torn on Dak Prescott than are on Deshaun Watson. Would you believe? Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, I I think that's fair to say. That's where I think. That's where I wonder. Like, you know, I I don't know the the value of the of the league doesn't. I mean, I guess it matters a little bit when you when you talk about this stuff, but I I just feel like for some reason I, I to me I sit here and go why wouldn't you get the deal done with your guy? But if the if the deal's coming from his end and he's being you know is, is not willing to do, throw uh, sign what you're offering. I mean, I, to me, they, they will get a solution done in 25 days, I guess is what I'm saying. I think it gets done in 25 days, although last year I said the same thing, that it would get done, and it didn't. I just, I just think around the around the league, just talking to people who work for teams or, or even, even analysts or guys who work the athletic or whatever, if you went and said, which team would hurt the worst if, they, if you took this guy away from him, I think everyone would say, well, the Texans would hurt a lot worse if you took Deshaun Watson away from him. And I know that's not the conversation that we're having. I was just throwing out an example, but like, you kind of get what I'm saying. Like, I I do think Dak deserves to be paid as much as Deshaun Watson. Uh, I do think he deserves to be paid more than Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. And if he ain't getting that offer, then why would he sign it? He's 27, or will be 27 when the year starts. So, deadline makes deals, right? Deadlines make deals. All right. So we've got July 15th. If deadlines make deals, Jerry, we're gonna have to see you. Uh, come out of your boat or wherever you've been hiding, and we're gonna have to see a legitimate offer. Otherwise, Dak, if I'm Dak, I'm I'm perfectly cool applying for 100% guaranteed money at 31 million. And by the way, when you start looking at like base salaries for guys this year, Dak's gonna have one of the highest base salaries in the NFL because of all these long-term deals and the money gets moved around. Uh, even the, the the Ryan Tannehill deal, I believe, like Ryan Tannehill is gonna be get like 37 million in his first year, I believe. Um, of the deal he just signed with Tennessee, like he's gonna get paid heavy up front. Um, that's where I kind of I kind of go, okay, well, Dex gonna be fine. Like Dex gonna make more money, get more money in his pocket immediately than pretty much anyone else in the league. So I'll play on this, and then if you guys don't want to give me a deal next year, I'll sign it for thirty eight next year. And I've made seventy million guaranteed in two years, and that's probably what I would have made anyways if I signed a four year deal. Yeah, Dak would be at at thirty one point four. He'd be seventh uh, in terms of average for for this year. Uh, Roth, I mean, Russell Wilson is one at thirty five million. Roethlisberger's two at thirty four. Then Goff at thirty three point five. Aaron Rodgers at thirty three point five. Kirk Cousins at thirty two and then or thirty three and then Carson Wentz at thirty two and then there's Dak seventh, uh, about a million and a half uh, more than Matt Ryan at eighth. And it's kind of funny because like you go all the way down, like nine is Tannehill, like you mentioned, and then it goes Garoppolo and Stafford. And, uh, you know, that off season where, um, I remember it was Derek Carr was like the first one to sign out of, out of that group. Uh, that was the 2017 off season. He signed, it was like five years, 125 million. And then a couple months later, uh, Matthew Stafford signed his deal. And then, so he moved slightly above him. And then Jimmy Garoppolo, after the season was over that year signed. And then, so he moved, it was, uh, $500,000 a year more than Stafford. And, and so you look at all those deals and those are all the guys now that those guys are like 10th, 11th and 15th. Like it just, the way it goes in order. And that's the same thing will happen with Dak. Like if he gets a deal done by July 15th, it's going to be one that pays him at the top of this group. But then in two, three years, he might not even be in the top five anymore. 
probably won't probably be down, like closer to 10 because there'll be other quarterbacks that come along that are up for their contracts. And it's not like these, these guys are going to take less money because they're like, well, you know, we're not the Cowboys quarterback. No, they're going to take more money because that's just how it goes at the position. So, uh, it is crazy to think like there'll be people that will say, oh, you know, Dak shouldn't be the highest paid quarterback in, in the league by any standard. OK, that's fine. But that's just the way it goes. Did you think Derek Carr should have been? Do you think Jimmy Garoppolo should have been? It just That's just the way it was. Here's your base salary rankings. Not that it totally, totally matters, but just for fun. Your base salary rankings. Dak at number one at $31.4 million because he's on the tag. Jimmy Garoppolo, two at $24 million. I'm rounding up on these. $24 million. Then your third highest rate player in uh, base rankings this year is Trent Brown of the Raiders. <laughs> a right tackle wow. uh, at $21 million. That's so Raiders. Uh, then Derek Carr is at that $19 right? million. Is that correct? Then Russell Wilson. <laughs> Absurd. Uh, then A.J. Green at $18 million, um, which he did, he signed the franchise tag, I believe. Um, well, or, or, or he will. I don't know if he's signed it yet, but he will, I, I would imagine. Uh, because I remember the story where Joe Burrow was like campaigning to like, hey, we need to keep him around, even though he can't run anymore. Uh, although I'd like to have A.G. Green on the Bengals still. I, there's nothing wrong with that. I'd take him over Dez. Uh, Yannick Nguakwe, and he hasn't signed his tender yet, but he would make $18 million as well. Von Miller, Ryan Tannehill. So base salary, Dak makes $8 million more than the second guy on the list in terms of base salary. That's just how it is when he signed the franchise tag. But, um, you know, I, I, again, I, I don't know, even really have a feel on how newsworthy it is. The news is coming by July 15th, and we can finally, you know, almost put it to a rest for a while, it seems like, right? I mean, uh, I, I do have an, another question, and you, you may not know the answer off the top of your head, but I, I assume this is how it would work. Say the season uh, either doesn't happen or let's say the season gets cut in half. You just get paid for half the games you play. You just get paid for the amount of games you play, right? So if you sign that's a franchise the way, Okay, tag? so that's the way I thought that, that. That's what it seems like would make sense. But I don't know exactly how those contracts are structured in terms of how that's impacted by um, the, you know, your if it's your exact salary and you just split it up amongst those games. Cause I thought that's how it would be for baseball. And I know they don't have a salary cap, but that's clearly not been the case. It seems like in the negotiations they've had going back and forth. Uh, and it doesn't seem like they're even going to have a season with the way that that's going. Uh, so I don't know exactly how that that would work or if they don't have a season. Cause I don't see how, <laughs> I don't know. I, I should know the answer to this, but I don't see how you can pay Dak Prescott 31 and a half million dollars. If there's not a season. Yeah, right. Like, and I mean, this is kind of what the thing. Like, uh, you know, I know I've kind of got up to all this through watching the baseball negotiations, which are amazing to really watch uh, negotiations end up that poorly. But like, yeah, yeah. Well, if we don't play, we don't, we don't have to pay the players anything. So that's nice. That's kind of interesting. Um, now, Ken, I want to bring you in here. Get a little hypothetical action. I want you to drop your hypothetical on us so we can uh, swat it out to half court. It's more, I guess it's more of a little just, you know, predict the future scenario for you guys. Maybe get your I thoughts like this. on this. Where do you think uh, the ceiling will be for Dak in 2025? Like if he did sign a five-year contract this week and we're say we fast forward to 2025, what do you think we'll sit, be sitting here talking about? Multi-Super Bowl champion Dak Prescott – Guy that uh, signed a big deal and, and kind of flamed out or guy that was consistently in the Super Bowl conversation, 
Uh, you know, what does your foresight say, KT, on this uh, contract? To quote the great Michael Jordan, the ceiling is the roof. Uh, obviously, I'm kidding. But that was one of the great speeches of all time when Michael Jordan went back to North Carolina and said, the ceiling is the roof. Uh, because I don't <laughs> know what that the whole It's very last dance up on that. Sure. I was hoping they would. I was hoping they would. <laughs> they the just whole series should have just been called the ceiling is the roof. And his Hanes <laughs> commercials from years past, but yeah. that's another topic yeah, too. Didn't touch on that. Um, <laughs> but I will say this. Uh, here's what I think. I think uh, we'll remain, because I think he's already there, we'll remain a top 10 quarterback in the league. I think that, that stays. I don't think he falls out of that. Um, and I, he's on the back end of that top 10 for anyone who wants to you know yell at me about that. He's on the back end of that. Um, he will remain there. I do think this Mike McCarthy experiment works in the first three years. And then I kind of – I have my curiosities about what happens to that thing after that. Define works. I have my uh, works, playoff success, consistent, consistent playoff success. round something, two, maybe in a yeah, championship game twice in a row kind of thing. That's what you're predicting. Yeah, by 2025, you've won – it ain't hard – I mean, you've won more playoff games than Garrett did in 10 years. Put it that way. Oh. Um, a- I, I think consistently being in the playoffs. Okay. In the mix – uh, and part of that for a reason, they are adding a playoff team uh, starting next year, I guess. They're adding the seventh team. But I, I think consistent playoff success. I have a hard time saying he's going to win a Super Bowl and things like that. I think he gets you to a championship game. I think he can do that for you. Uh, I, I think we just say he's a really good guy, and it's not about him anymore. I think in 2025, some of the same things that we said about Romo, can we get the offensive line built up or can we get some defense? I think it's all going to be questions about other parts of the team. Uh, I, I think – a lot of the question marks that anyone has about Dak will be gone in 2025. So if they get I agree. if they get there and lose, it won't be because of Dak. You think it'll be because oh, not enough support around Dak, uh, kind of thing. You know, kind of like it was with Tony. Yeah, things like that. Yeah. yeah, things that Tony dealt with, except yeah. on a different level. For Tony, it was to get to eight and eight. For Dak, it'll be to get past the divisional round and get to the championship oh. round. Things like that. Great, John. Yeah, I was I was going to say similar to to Romo. Um, you know, when you're the quarterback of the Cowboys, you're always going to have, whether they win or lose, they could lose a game that, you know, it's a big time playoff game and their defense just is awful. And, and he's in a shootout and loses, let's say to the Seahawks and Russell Wilson or something like that. And he'll get blamed for it, but it'll be more about what's going on around him. And when I say that, like, cause I, I just don't worry about Dak in terms of, like, I think he has a very high basement. Like, whatever his worst is, I think is, is good enough for them to win games in the postseason because I just think he's really solid across the board. So I just think there's a lot of other factors that go into that. Which just, that's just the way football is, though. It, it's not just not even just the talent on the field, but, you know, a lot of people want to compare with, like, Mike McCarthy, like, what he did with the Packers to, what you know, what he's going to do with the Cowboys. Like, it's totally different ownership styles, too. Like, he wasn't going to have an owner that's going to be possibly, you know, doing things that he really doesn't want to happen, adding things that – adding players and stuff that he doesn't really want on the team. Like, you don't know, like, going forward, especially because you're talking five years from now, what kind of different things could happen. What if Mike McCarthy's still not the coach in five years, you know, because – He's like Bill Parcells, and he's like, man, I thought this was going to be different than what it is, and I'm out. Like he's forcing me to take on players that have off the field issues, and I'm I think we have a good nucleus here, and we we don't need to be doing that. 
and everyone gets to their you know their breaking point to where they're just I I can't take this anymore. So there's just a lot of different factors that go in there. But I think that Dak Prescott, if you're like making a chart, I think he would be one of your absolute least worries. I think that he's solid across the board to the point where that's why you or if I was running the team, I would have no problem giving him uh, this contract that's coming up to make him the next highest paid player in the league, knowing that it's going to go down in the next four or five years because other players will surpass it. But no, at the most important position in sports, I just think that he is at, at worst, I think he's very solid. And then at his best. I think that he could be like a Russell Wilson, a guy that, you know, he's already won a Super Bowl, probably should have won two, if not for that interception on the goal line. But, uh, um, you know, I, th- I think that's kind of where he's at right now. I mean, he doesn't really have any, you know, I know he had an injury this year, but he really doesn't have that that you have to really worry about. Seems to be a guy that's pretty sturdy. Uh, seems to be a guy that, you know, like like the opposite of a Jameis Winston, where, you know, with Jameis Winston, like, yeah, he could potentially lead the league in touchdowns and interceptions. Like, it's kind of a wild card. You don't know what to expect from year to year. Like, I just think Dak is just really solid across the board. Yeah, and I think that's, um, if you're paying him, too, if, I mean, if he's here in 2025, you're paying him. So he better not be a question mark, too, right? Because <laughs> he's going to be soaking up Absolutely. a lot of your salary cap. So, so that's a big part of it. Keep an eye on Dak, KT. Before we talk a little bit about sports music, Gotta let our listener know again about Hydrant. It's the summertime, people. Everyone needs to be hydrated out there. Everyone's doing outdoor activities. You're out at the pool. You're mowing the lawn. People are sweating. You need to stay hydrated. It's not as easy as just going and getting a Gatorade, going and getting a Powerade. That's all full of sugar. That's not the stuff you need. What you need is what Hydrant has. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets that you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. They've got those four essential electrolytes, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc, to help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And, of course, it's backed by research. I'm not just throwing out this amateur crap out here. It's developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced and efficient hydration. Don't worry. The formula is vegan. You can choose between three different flavors or choose that whole variety pack like I have. Love me some hydrant. It's part of my daily routine, especially my weekend routine. You're going to love it too. So what you do is you go to drinkhydrant.com slash cowboys. That's drinkhydrant.com slash cowboys. 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com slash cowboys. Stay hydrated this summer and do it the best way with the old hydrant. Thanks, hydrant. Back to you, KT. All right. There's a, that was a great ad right there. Thank you so much. To them, now we have um, – edit that out if you need to. Um, we don't, I want to transition. <laughs> yes. That was great. I want to transition to one of my favorite weeks. Uh, it's music week here at The Athletic. Uh, I know I'm a music junkie. Um, I love it more than I love my family. Uh, Kent, <laughs> you – you know, I don't know how well-known it is, but you – uh, I don't because I feel like you, you're the guy who doesn't talk about it much, but you're a guy who's toured the world in a very popular band. Oh, I and John Michaud, you know, I've seen him at I've seen John Michaud at open mic night, just uh, diddling away on an acoustic guitar at a coffee shop, Dang. just kind of playing some John Mayer. <laughs> he doesn't know I was Father, there, but I was Father there. John Michaud, it's because of his <laughs> musical prowess. <laughs> but it is, um, it is. Music Week on The Athletic. In fact, you go to theathletic.com and go ahead and put the slash about them Cowboys. Use your 40% uh, discount um, if you uh, need to be a new subscriber. And you do need to be a new subscriber if I say so. But um, they have a survey 
Levi Weaver's already got two articles up, the Athletic Hall of Fame and the Hall of Shame for music. But there is also a survey. Take the Athletic's Top 100 Sports Song Survey and vote on that. I'm going to vote on that. But we thought what we'd do on this episode of About Them Cowboys after the DAC stuff was, what is our favorite sports song of all time? Now, I submitted an entry, and I'll go first because I think your guys are going to be better than mine. So I'll go first. Uh, I submitted mine, and it it is not like some well-done song. This is more – well, it is well-done. But this is more of a a joke song. But my favorite story of all time – I mean of all the stories, Three Little Pigs, Tortoise and the Hare. um, You could go read uh, uh, this office book I'm reading is actually really good. Uh, the Bible of all the stories in the world, my favorite story is the Tiger Woods sex scandal. <laughs> to me, I couldn't get enough of it, nonstop. And I know it was it's gossipy, and I understand that, but I've never seen anything quite like everything that happened there and the rumors of what happened that night, and then combined with all these women that were coming out, and then stories of other golfers on the PGA Tour. It was just to me. It was so wild seeing the most dominant athlete of our time, in my opinion, the most dominant athlete of our time, Tiger Woods, get wrapped up in that, and there were Waffle House waitresses, and it was just the most insane thing. So my favorite sports song of all time is the Tiger Woods voicemail remix. Hey, it's, uh, it's Tiger. I just like the uh, use of the voicemail as a sample anyway, aside from Tiger, Tiger. I think it's good. And that's part of the... See, I love it. It's part of the intrigue of that whole story is like that voicemail leaked out, you know, and then uh, someone on YouTube, and I, I should probably give them credit, but I don't have it in front of me. But uh, I have had this song and have played it on my radio show for years. I'm talking almost 10 years even. Uh, it's just my favorite song. So the Tiger Woods voicemail slow jam remix. Um, if I had a serious pick, though, I would say it's probably your basic uh, Jock Jams track. Ah. You know? And you can't say the first part or Michael Buffer will sue you. Um, but after he does that, you know, and then the dun 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 90s arena rock. Yeah. Oh, my God. The whole Jock Jams Volume 1 is really, really rad. Uh, that song's called uh, Get Ready for This. That's my favorite sports song. Aside from the Tiger Woods Slow Jam voicemail remix. So there's that. Well, uh, let's go to you, Kent. Let's see what you got in, in your uh, yeah. up, up your uh, sleeves here. So this is a, uh, a song that I definitely have heard at games before. Uh, it, it comes from a movie, a sports movie. So, you know, you hear the song, you automatically think of the moments in the movie. But I think, you know, apply this song to, to almost any scenario and it, and it adds a little juice, you know. It's one of the uh, pump-up song. And I, I got to say... Certainly the coolest thing about the Philadelphia Eagles. I 
tell you're uh, gonna see some middle fingers at uh, the link. Yeah. That is good. Make sure to go for a run. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely classic. Classic Bill Conti. Gonna fly now from, uh, of course, yeah, Rocky. Makes you want to go for a run. Makes you want to watch a watch a game. Yeah, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, they play it at kickoff every uh, home game, and so uh, yeah, it brings the goosebumps in uh, in Philadelphia when the Cowboys and Eagles square off, often on Sunday nights up there. And uh, yeah, I remember Sean. How does that compare to How does that compare to Eye of the Tiger for you? Oh man, I almost had Eye of the Tiger. Eye of the Tiger. Is a great song that's meant like specifically for a moment in an '80s sports movie. You know, it's like almost written for that exact purpose. Uh, and so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of keen to the orchestra and the the traditional like movie score element of of Gonna Fly Now. So that's probably why it got my vote. But I have a tiger. Yeah, you you know, you're running your mile or whatever, and that might come on the shuffle or something. And yeah, man, that one. Uh, Oh, it still pumps me up a little bit, I guess. Yeah, especially seeing it in the movie. Yeah, you know what I would say real quick is that I think what's kind of cool about the different sports is they all have a different time for a lot of these big things. I know TV timeouts allow the stadiums to get to get lit and all that stuff, but hockey is when I think of Eye of the Tiger because there's a little bit of time between stop play and then, uh, oh, power play. You know, or like um, – <laughs> or any walk-up song in baseball, like you have your moment. In football, your big moment of, of getting the crowd pumped up is when the ref is over there on the sideline talking to the official to see if the replay is through. And that takes about four minutes, but that's when the crowd's really getting after it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, no, that's, a, that's a good entry right there, the Rocky theme song. Uh, let's go to Father John Mashoda. I'm curious to see what your favorite sports song is. So this was so hard for me to pick one because there are so many that I, I enjoy. Um, and so I started making a list and it dawned on me that like all these are basketball related. Like every one of my favorite songs is basketball related. But um, this one right here, <laughs> I don't know. It just, it always gets me pumped thinking about playing basketball in my backyard and then going and watching like whatever the nineties, like whatever the nineties NBA playoffs, whether it's, you know, Knicks Pacers or Bulls, whoever, and I just will always think the 90s basketball good thoughts whenever I hear this song. John Tesh. Yes, sir. What happened to old Johnny? So I haven't heard his name so in probably from the- just as long. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Hey. Um, I will say Nelly does a nice remix on this of Heart of a Champion. That was a, a song Nelly had out in the mid-2000s there that I liked a lot just because he used this entire beat. Um, Hold but on, I like, are you I serious? Love this. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and then um, I love Be Like Mike from the Gatorade commercial. Another one makes me want to go play basketball in the backyard. Um, and then this one that you guys are going to hate because you're going to think it's super cheesy, but man, I've always loved during the NCAA tournament. I love one shining moment. And I know a lot of people make fun of it or whatever, but 
man, like all I cared about as a kid was basketball. And when they played that montage, it was like, man, that would be so cool to be part of that one time at the end of a Final Four to be in that one shining moment montage. I was going to say one shining moment, but I'll put that at number two to yeah. this classic from, from John Tesh. One shining moment. One shining moment. On that same topic, though, what what's the most overplayed sports arena song? Like the one that like you're sitting in the crowd at the AAC or what what have you, and it comes on and you just it's the eye roll song. For me, it's always Crazy Train. Every time I hear, yeah, I I I, <laughs> I'm like it's just the biggest yeah. eye roll. I don't know. I used to love that song, but it, like the most overplayed. It, you're guaranteed to hear that song at every single sporting event you go to. And I mark it, mark my that words. One, Tell me I'm wrong. No, no, you, you're right. And what I would put in there with it, and, and it's not like some classic rock slander. Trust me, I, I like a fair share of classic rock, but Welcome to the Jungle, you know, you yeah. get a lot of you that. Mean the you know, Dallas Cowboys I, kickoff song, Welcome to the Jungle, KT. Yes. Too much. Cowboys are guilty of the uh, generic bad. Alt rock, uh, stadium soundtrack like like the CD player came straight from Texas Stadium and they just reinstalled it in AT and T and just didn't even take the CD out of the thing like just keep it rolling. Got ACDC. We've got uh, little Ozzy. Yeah, we're good. We're good here. But you know what I, I think is still good. Jump around is yeah, jump good. around is always yeah. played. Yeah, you know I think it's still good. Like the Mavs. Uh, they still play Money Money, which is, they did the Billy Idol version. But like that's a reunion arena classic from the '80s. Like even before I was a kid, but I remember being in the '90s. Uh, even the Bad Mavs and yeah, third quarter. Here comes Money Money, and it's actually you know what, pretty feel good song for kind of as corny as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think We Will Rock You still slaps. Oh yeah, that's uh, a great I think one. that's still fine. Uh, they got to get rid of the Hey song. Um, and it was used perfectly in the movie The Joker, but you got to get rid of the Hey song because of Gary Glitter. Um, God, what are some other? Um, I really like, well, honestly, know, not being from Dallas. I, I really enjoyed. Uh, I didn't know a ton about the Mavericks other than obviously Dirk Nowitzki before I moved down here in 2010, and I didn't know anything about like intro music or anything like that. And when I started going to some their games, and I was that was 2011, and they win the title. Like I really think it's badass the way they come out to that Eminence front by uh, yeah uh, by the Who, yeah, because they uh, they don't come out to it, but it's like their intro music when they when they introduce the starting lineup. Like I didn't know much about that song. I think I only heard it a couple times before that. But the way that like I would never, I would think that that song would be like too slow and not good enough for like a to get you pumped up for like an, a player introduction. But but I really like that. I hope they keep that as as their player intro for a long time because that that's perfect. I always thought that song is kind of like a. Uh I, 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 I agree with you. I like it. I hope they keep it. Uh, but I always felt like it was like a dollar store Cyrus, you know, like the bull song. Like it's kind of got that same kind of slow build up, yeah. and then has that weird 70s rock fusion that, like, that everyone was trying to do. Like, but, I'm, but, I'm, wine. Yeah. Yeah. but I'm telling you, if the team wins, if the team wins, people will always want to hear that, even in later years, because it'll always make them think about the good times. Like the Bulls have been terrible for a long yes. time now and the people still want to hear that song when you go to Chicago they still want to see that graphic on the big screen of that bull running through the city for that for, for the pistons it was the final countdown by Europe it's it's not i mean it's a song about space travel like it's not really something you think would get you fired up but like 
that was such a big part of all the player introductions in like the 89 90s like bad boys so when the pistons got good again in like 2003 and 4 they started bringing back that, that again and people would just go nuts over it and again it's a it's a it's a song about like space travel it makes no sense it has no connection to basketball at all but in detroit people love hearing that song yeah. What about people uh, also love doing the Cotton Eye Joe too? They still do that. Oh, yeah. Places. Awful. They the Ranger game. Awful. What about oh, uh, the the Dallas Stars puck? Yeah, by Pantera. Uh, I enjoy that one as well. Dallas. Yeah. Stars. Little shredding you know yeah, bag it, in there too. Because they went to uh, they they went away from that. Uh, probably about 10 years ago, mm. yeah, probably eight to, oh God, 2020 now, I mean, it's 10 to 12 years ago. And for about five years, they played Chelsea Dagger by the Fratellis, which is a song I like. Um, Chelsea Dagger is a good song. Uh, but like, it just didn't feel right. And then they were like, okay, yeah, our brand is Pantera and Dallas and winning that cup in 1999. And then the players going to the Pantera owned strip club and, uh, partying with the Stanley Cup, like you're right, it does really go. It's like the, the I remember the St. Louis Blues were singing the most corny song, and I didn't realize it was a thing till they won the cup and Brett Hull was drunk and they were singing uh, Gloria, uh, which I think is a horrible song personally. But they're like, yeah, well, it's well, great that's for what sports we do though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like it for sports though. Um, I, I also, man, I gotta be honest, I, I I'm a little embarrassed. I forgot this. Ram it by the 1986 Los yes. Angeles Rams. <laughs> That's the greatest sports LA. song of all time. So let's ram it today. Just, Just ram, ram it, it, ram it, ram it. And then Eric Dickerson raps, and it's God. That one's incredible. You know, they were taking the Super Bowl Shuffle vibe, and they're like, you know, what? we're going to one up the Super Bowl Shuffle and uh, do one that's a little more edgy. <laughs> um, uh, ram it by the 1986 Los Angeles Rams. I urge everyone to go take time to find that one. You know what else is still pretty good too? Uh, is another one bites the dust. You know, I feel like Queen is kind of undefeated. They've got these sports anthems, and you know, Dirk singing "We Are the Champions." It's a little, it's a little. Uh, when I see someone singing "We Are the Champions," I, I, I tend to roll my eyes, and then I see Dirk do it on top of the American <laughs> Airlines Center on a hot summer day, and I'm crying like a baby. So, like maybe I'm the cynical, uh, maybe I'm the cynical problem. Um, so I think that's a that's a pretty good one. You know, another one I want to throw out there too. It's amazing to me that a song that came out in the early 2000s. Seven Nation Army by White Stripes is now done oh, at every college song. football stadium. But it's like, yeah. but it like they waited till like fifteen years after it came out, and then everyone was like, you know what? Oh, 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 oh. it's like, yeah, that song came out fifteen years ago. You could have been doing it then. Yeah, but you know, but but, but I get on. it. It takes that, time. I've heard though that that I heard that we caught on in the United States late on that. Because I heard yes, that they soccer. were playing that at soccer games, and then so yeah. people heard that, and they were like, "Why don't we do that at games?" And then it just really like kind of caught on back here. I, I could be wrong on that, but that's just some, one thing that I've heard. Yeah, and I, and that's classic college football. Like, oh, everyone's going to start doing the same thing, right? And I also want to have this opinion about sports songs. I don't care about anyone's fight song. Any college football team, your fight song, I don't need to hear it all game. I just want to watch the game. I don't need to hear. My my least favorite thing about Texas OU, great rivalry, a lot of fun, right? Why do we have to hear these songs all game long? Can we get some new things going in the marching band? <laughs> these bands, look, you're there. To, they You got more in your arsenal than playing the fight song. Surely they get tired of playing it 50 times a game. I just uh, I get annoyed by that. It's just tiring. <laughs> That's me. It's, it's Sorry, not a guys. sports song, but like. 
when when you texted me about this, Kent, well, I don't know why this always pops in my mind when anybody says sports and music. I, this is nothing have to do with really about sports. Other than it's, there's an athlete mentioning it. No, but like um, for some reason, I always think of Simon and Garfunkel, Mrs. Robinson, because I, ever since the first time I heard that I was a little kid, I always thought it was so cool in that part where he says, where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? Our nation turns its lonely eyes to you. I don't know why, but I've always like, I was always like, yeah, this, I just love that sports are in this song for some reason, even though it really, it's not really a song that you would think there'd be sports in, but I just, I don't know. I just think Joe DiMaggio's name just sounds cool. And I, I don't know. I always think of when people talk about sports and music, I always think of that line. I don't that, know. Sorry. I just had to add that. I think there. that's more a case of Simon and Garfunkel just throwing New York references into every song. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, you could be right. Yeah, <laughs> throwing a just yeah, throwing a little Brooklyn Bridge every now and then, maybe a an Empire State Building reference, and you're good. Yeah, and Billy Joel had that. But you trick think about too. like Billy Mrs. Joel Robinson, did like twenty songs about New York. It's like the Mrs. Robinson has nothing to do with Joe DiMaggio. No, yeah, does it? Am I am I missing something here? No, that Mrs. Robinson's song was from The Graduate, right? Or it was written right for yeah. that movie, right? So I don't think it really has a connection other than, like I said, a, a reference to, to the great s- city of New York. By the way, great album, Live in Central Park from uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Put that one on the list. That's a quintessential. They open with the Mrs. Robinson, John. I was listening to that the, a couple of weeks okay. couple of weeks ago. So, I'm so how do you guys right feel now. about John Fogarty's uh, center field for baseball? Are you guys against it or do you like it? Because <laughs> growing up in Detroit, when you hear center field, it literally makes you think of opening day. The weather's getting nicer. We're going to actually be able to go outside. We've been inside for the last six, seven months. Like it's it's got a real positive feel. Uh, I don't know if you guys feel the same way down here. I know that they did. I think it was on the Athletic. They did a sports, might have been baseball song or something like that. And they didn't even have it on the ranking because people disliked it or something. But I like I like the song. As a kid, I, I I loved it. As I've gotten older, and maybe I'm just mad at baseball right now for failing to pull their head out. <laughs> um, yeah, not a huge fan anymore. I'm sorry. I also don't like that the Rangers, every time they win, they play I Like Texas by Pat Green. And I know that a lot of people like that, but I feel like that's a weird winning song. Uh, winning should, also, should not be, let's go have a beer. Winning should be, hey, we just kicked your ass. So I want I want some. Mm, we won, and yeah. then play. I, like I do Texas. like how they play the natural though when they hit home runs. I yes, do like that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that sounds great and looks great. You know, with the fireworks and you, it kind of almost looks like the movie in a way. Right. Uh, but like, I, I want a little more oomph for my. But I, you know, baseball's got tons of like good like songs to, to like get you in the mood, especially if you're jonesing for baseball like I am. I know. Um, God, John, you're still you're a Tigers fan still. Yeah, until I died. It was a rough year last year, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's nothing new. It's like there's been far there's been far more bad years than good years, but that's what's great about it because you just kind of keep hanging on, and you're just like, yeah, I'll turn around one of these Red years. Red Wings fan, John, anytime soon, but never. No, I'm not not the big one. The one team that won, the won championships in Detroit, you weren't a fan of. Yeah, no, I didn't care for hockey at all. I'm not. I don't really watch hockey. Follow hockey. Ah, interesting. Did not know. I thought you were all in on almost every every sport. No, no. Would you, no if you were to rank really them, it would hockey. be football, and then probably college basketball right under that, right? In terms of yeah, it'd be, it'd be NFL one, uh, college football two. 
uh, college basketball three, NBA four, and MLB five. And then there's and then everything there, else. It's all honorable. Mentions. Everything else is kind of in the same. Where no, it's, I mean it's not awful or anything <laughs> like that. Like it just it's not like anything that it's not anywhere close to my top five. Let's put it that way. You know, uh, Huey Lewis in the news didn't they have an album called Sports? Just very generically, did, yeah. <laughs> throwing sports okay, as a now topic. Are we talking sports about, songs. Now are we talking about good and bad bands? Because I've got some Huey Lewis in the news takes. Go for it. I have no opinion either way, but yeah, go ahead. Careful here. I'm a diehard fan. <laughs> go KT. No, I was just asking. I don't have any. I don't have anything. You to don't say have any opinions. Okay. I wasn't. I wasn't being serious. I want to hear it. Go. Oh, okay. Okay. I think they suck. Ah. Like I just can't handle the the song uh, the song about a new drug. I can't handle the song that sounds like the Ghostbuster song. I just every time I hear a song, I just get uh, you know I just never got into it. I don't know, and I know there's people that you like guys them, are both. So. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You guys are both way way better musical experts than myself. So give me each of your most overrated musical act it could be a band it can be an individual most overrated most overrated somebody that like is very successful has been but you're just like i cannot believe that this band or this person is still out there still making albums or still you know selling out shows like who would you say just you just don't get i'll say one to uh just to get under one of one of our uh, co-hosts skin here dave matthews band Never Whoa. got it. Oh, geez. No, that's that's fine. I, I totally oh, get the people. Who I, I think that. they're good, but I don't think they're like, um, you know, they need to be selling out stadiums everywhere they they go or or what have you. Um, yeah, just yeah never, I, just, I just think their music never is, got into that party rock like stuff. I guess is what it's what it you would kind of boil it down to, right? You're comparing them to I mean, LMFAO? No, that's the, the party music rock is anthem. Just so highbrow. The music is so highbrow, you could never understand, Kent. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's for intellectuals listening to Dave Matthews Band. See, and not see, like drunk. John bros is teeing us up to, at, at uh, the frat John party. is teeing us up to get killed. Okay, now that's a, well, that's I, another I like thing. Dave I like Dave Matthews Band, so I was I'm actually kind of hurt by this, but continue. Well, John's teeing us up to get killed in the mentions, but if you just uh, hey rank your uh, five bands you don't like, so you can make a lot of people mad. There are a lot of bands the I don't like, but do one. I would I would classify them as overrated. Yeah, just just with John's question. Um, I, I, I've tried to be a, a put a new role, and one thing I'm trying to do is be less cynical, you know, overall in general. But like, uh, I, I try to put a new role. If if you can't name five songs by the band, then you really can't have an opinion on them. So I'd like to withdraw my Huey Lewis in the news opinion. I just know the two songs okay. that I've heard by them are three. I don't like any of them. I want a new drug and the heart of rock and roll just kill me. They, they what kill about the me power of love, KT? Oh, the power of love, kill me. Back to oh, the future, KT. Come on. Oh, God. Oh, it hurts. So uh, <laughs> now that's where I am on that. But if you can't name five songs. Um, overrated, though. You know, I, th- that gets tough, you know, because – yeah, when I see when I think overrated, I, I do agree with kind of what Kent's saying. It's it's the bands that are still selling out and touring. You know what? Who was on the Today Show today, and everyone was going nuts over? I never understood the Rascal Flats. I don't get it. <laughs> I guess I don't. Just not for me. I guess yeah, you know that's a good one. Um, 
But generally, I fight for the more underrated bands, the bands no one talks about, or that the bands that people take unnecessarily shot, unnecessary shots at. You know a band who I think is pretty good or was, you know, uh, but people take shots at them? Hootie and the Blowfish. Hey, those first three albums were great. Um, and if they weren't great, why did the NFL on Fox roll them out on their debut night when they got the TV deal? Because they were awesome. Um I don't understand why I, – I get why people go at Dave Matthews Band, and that's more aimed at the fans because Dave Matthews Band was a grassroots thing that, you know, there was a lot of frat guys uh, who were just going to shows and ruining that experience for people. So I get that. But, you know, I see them for the music, and you have your jazz element and your funk element and then your soul element and then almost a country element and then like, uh, you know, Dave's guitar playing. He's from South Africa. It's so intricate. I see it for that, but I do understand how the music would ruin things. And I'll say this. I don't think Nickelback is good. I want to be on the record. I don't think they're good. But I do think it's funny that they somehow became the punchline or the bit. Because you can find a lot lot of bands who are worse than Nickelback. They're not good. Don't like them. But I don't know if they're the the punchline of worst bands. Every decade there's a punchline band. Every decade. I think that's Huey Lewis in the news. For the 80s. Who is it right now? Right now it's uh, um, Imagine Dragons. They're the punchline band right now. Before you know that, what? the 10 and years everyone, it was. It was Nickelback. You're right. You know, and, and Coldplay got it and got suckered into that a little bit thanks to the 40-year-old virgin, I think. Just that play on words and everything that happened there. But I think Coldplay has put out three or four good albums, and I think they've put out three or four albums that aren't that great. Um, uh, you, you mentioned... Um, Wait, who, who did you just mention? Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Nickelback, Coldplay. Who was the other name? Imagine Dragons. Again? Imagine Dragons. Okay, I don't like the Imagine Dragons, but the people I know who like the, love the music, Imagine who Dragons. have seen them live. I don't like the Coldplay or the Imagine Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does, does everything. <laughs> I'm going to go see the Pearl Jam. Um, but, but people who I trust with music, um, uh, I'll, I'll choose Jeff Skidwade. I'll use his name. Uh uh, big music head, uh, he will tell you that the Imagine Dragons show he went to was great, and he's, I mean, maybe because he's got an eight-year-old kid who's vibing to it or whatever, but, yeah. It's not the so, music that I'm, I, I think that about. It's more the culture of what the music has associated with, you know? It's just the most down-the-middle, yeah. kind of thoughtless uh, garage, not garage rock, but radio rock that you could kind of muster. These days, it's always kind of a generic sound, you know. Say that's what Nickelback was when when they were the, before that. I don't know who's a generic pop rock, like early aughts pop rock, Goo Goo Dolls or somebody like that. But I like Goo Goo Dolls. But yeah, it's just kind I of a like generic. <laughs> yeah, there's always one. They're safe. Yeah, they're safe. You know who I think's overrated? And this is probably gonna. God, I'm probably gonna get some majors. I think Aerosmith's highly overrated. I agree with that. I like them, but I, I think they're totally like a gimmicky kind of, if you hate them, I understand kind of thing. I think Cardi B is one I don't get. The popularity is through the roof. Lizzo, I get that. Here's, that's, here's a, that's awesome. Here's a, um, I don't get Cardi B. This one could, could maybe get you some mentions too, KT. What do you think of Tool? Okay, now Tool is one that's highly respected in the rock music community, mm. I believe, but I just don't know enough about them. But for the people I talk to say they used to be awesome. Used to. They I just know a lot of people are Tool fans. I just, I just, 
Yeah. I just never went down that road, ah. so I, uh, I I guess I don't know. And that's the, my whole okay. thing about uh, don't talk trash about bands you haven't heard much good. of. Good. Yeah. That's a good, good way to go about it there. What would you I'm say, Kate? Think uh, a... John? is overrated. Oh, man. Uh if we go by KT's rule, I can't I can't say them because I don't know enough of their music. But, I mean, hearing a handful of their songs, I don't get why everyone, and I shouldn't say everyone because it's, it's not everyone, but uh, so many people that like Radiohead are obsessed with Radiohead. Ah. And I, I, I get, like, their appeal, but I don't understand the obsession with them. Like, like Tim Kalashaw loves Radiohead, and uh, so we'll go back and forth a little bit about it, you know, but... I don't, I don't like dislike them or anything like that. Like I get it, but they just have these huge shows and they have this like really hardcore following that I don't know. I just don't, I guess I just don't get it, but they're clearly not, I'm not talking about them. Like people would talk about like, you know, imagine dragons or anybody like that. It's just somebody like, you know, like I don't really like, it's kind of on the same level that I don't, I don't understand like the Kenny Chesney and a lot of like the country music that a lot of people like today. Like I just, I, and that's fine. Like people like that. I just, I can't really get into, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the other artists like Keith Urban. Yeah, and, that's a good uh, that's a good call. Brad Paisley, like yeah. the generic uh, yeah singer songwriter yeah, country guys. Yeah, I get. So I understand that... like the following. I understand like girls like oh. there's tons of girls I know that like love going to country concerts, especially like again like being from Detroit like country concerts summertime like being outside like are a great like fun time. I just I never really got the appeal for the actual music. I guess. No, and so much of that is like about your life experiences and, and where you, you know, your music, you know, what you like changes over time as you get older. Like I could go toe to toe with people on 90s music, country music trivia. And you want know, to talk Garth Brooks, George Strait with me? I'll go there all day. And a lot of people can do that because they're pretty mainstream crossover acts. But, you know, at some point in the early 2000s when music kind of took that turn because of those guys you mentioned, and that has led, they've paved the way for the guys like Luke Bryan, or Chris Young, or some of these guys who you might see at a Cowboys halftime Thanksgiving game. Um, like they <laughs> paved the way for those guys, and I—that's another the, those acts. I found that I rarely understand the acts that the Cowboys bring in on Thanksgiving. I rarely go, "Oh, yeah, boom!" Can't wait. I, I usually find myself in the kitchen getting uh, some seconds. You're, no, or whatever. KT, um, you're you're pretty big, Megan Trainer. Uh, no. Stan, you, yeah, you, no. you told me, no, don't deny it. You you told me that but you got a whole back piece tattoo on the way of Megan Trainer, and I was trying to pull back now that we're on the air. Confidential, I mean. it's confidential, confidential. <laughs> you know, I, I, I have to, I will say this though, um, and part of this might just be like the UNT like culture that tries to make you a hipster, um, but as, I, as I've gotten older into my, I'm now into my, I'm 32 now, I started to really not like or go seek out pop music, but I'm way more tolerant of, of pop music. Um, so like, you know, like I think um, there's some songs I hear and I, I sit there and go, okay, that's, uh, that's actually not bad. Like the, the Jonas Brothers, I used to hate. Man, that they got a song I'm a sucker for you. So good. I think Harry Styles is unfreaking believable. <laughs> I think that guy's awesome. Hey, try to go listen to that BTS, that big big hit by them, and not move your hips a little bit. That song's oh, badass. K- K-pop fan over here, KT. And <laughs> I never knew. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, uh, but it's all like throwing the mold of Timberlake. Like, Avatar, like that Twitter. Stuff you want to tell us about that? You're kind of moonlighting as a 
you know, from nine to five, your KT fun tweets, and then you switch over to the K-pop uh, Twitter accounts and get some hashtag on fun tweets. <laughs> K-pop, K-pop, fun, tweets. K-pop like fun tweets. Yes, exactly. That's that is not a uh, group of people that I would cross. They are a powerful bunch. The K-pop yes. fans, even in Dallas, like there was a um, a K-pop star who died. She was a, a teenager who died. Uh, but they were having a show at the Bomb Factory. This is two or three years ago. They were having a show at the Bomb Factory, hologram style, of oh. her. And the line was wrapped around the building, like, bigger than it was for the killer show that we all went to. What? Like, I'm serious. Well, I'm telling hold on, hold on, you. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me get, hold let me get on. some facts here. Hold on. Are we, are we talking about, like, just the hologram by itself or there was a band playing and then they brought the hologram on because i have seen that like in a tupac type deal and it looked kind of cool it wasn't for the whole show but are you talking about an entire show where it was just a hologram on stage okay not sure of on the live band i wasn't at the show for for the record Uh, um (laughs) might sound that way as i've been championing k-pop for the last two minutes um but i don't know what the uh I'm sure it was just a big light show, like stage show behind. I doubt they had a live band grooving. I could be wrong. Uh, they're probably just playing the song through DJ and you hologram her up there and you know have have some cool video and graphics behind her. But I, the crowd there, there, I remember the, the the story in the Dallas Morning News of it's like, hey, you might have noticed all the people wrapped around the building at the bomb factory. Well, here's why. And it's like, oh, this thing exists. Just some girl who died three years ago. Kind of maybe – uh, but you know what? If you were having a uh, uh, like a Selena uh, hologram show at the Bomb Factory, that thing would sell out. You know? mm-hmm. So I, I kind of understand it, I guess. In I'm a surprised way. it hasn't uh-huh. been done more, to be honest. Like the hologram well, of the dead, uh, you know, Prince tribute or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, they kind of did that at the Super Bowl in a weird way a few years ago. Yeah. Was it the Coldplay Super Bowl uh, where they had uh, Bruno Mars and Beyonce to kind of save them? Uh, right. Coldplay is like, look, we can do 11 minutes, but medley style is not going to be good for us. We need to probably just do <laughs> two two songs and then you guys go out and do your thing. Um, I think Coldplay is underrated, by the way. Underrated. I, really oh. I, I think they're underrated. And, and I think they've got some stuff. I think they've got some stuff that sucks. I want to be real clear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they got some stuff like that sucks, man. Their those their first three albums are incredible. Parachutes, uh, a rush of blood to the heads. Their second album, and then uh, I thought X and Y was a good album. Their third album, uh, and then I I kind of lost them at Living La Vida Loca. Whenever they did that <laughs> one, same. Viva La Vida. Once they, they went was. full Latin uh, pop, I was out. Yeah, I didn't understand what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> and then they got real pop. And then, you know, what's weird, though, is I saw Gwyneth Paltrow on TV the other night. And uh, apparently she was talking about how Moses, their son Moses, is 14 or, or he's driving or something. Or he's 16. I forgot what the age was. Uh, so apparently, you remember, like, I remember when they got, when Chris Martin and Gwyneth Paltrow named their daughter Apple. You guys remember that? Mm-hmm. That was yeah, about 20 years ago, that? guys. Yeah, it was 20 years ago, though. Think about that. Think about that. Isn't that weird? Yeah, we're getting old. Does she have a uh, Instagram or Apple uh, Apple Martin? Is that her name? Okay, yeah, that's what she said. So she was uh, Apple sixteen. That's what she was oh, saying. Oh, never mind. Apple never mind, is sixteen. Never 
Yeah, I love, it's a 2004 I love that this podcast is still going on. Yeah, we're we're at, well. That's not what I found. I was just. Well, well, if well, you're if honest. you're still listening right now, we really appreciate it. <laughs> no, they they stopped I mean, listening forever ago. It's just us three guys. <laughs> Don't worry. There will be a time when we can talk about the Cowboys' defensive tackle rotation. And quite frankly, that time is not now, <laughs> but there will be a time. I thought we were going to bring it full so, circle. We were talking about halftime shows. I thought we were going to be able to tie it all if, in. Okay, nice here's full circle. First, we went total full K-pop. circle moment here. We'll, we'll end it on this. If if one doubt, current Dallas Cowboy released an album in the next six months, what, who who do you think has the biggest chance at, at being a rapper or a pop star or a rock and roll star or something like that? Current current Cowboys roster, man. I used tough. to say think Dez could have had has something with all his X stuff. Just just do See, X, gonna give it to you, Dez Bryant version, and book book. I, mean, a tour. I don't know how, what, what kind of music. I don't know what kind of musician that uh, Ezekiel Elliott is, but he certainly has the he following. Has the I mean, last night he's playing video. Yeah, he's playing video games, and he threw on his Cowboys helmet while he's playing them. I think he was playing Call of Duty and doing a live stream. And so uh, I know he has a big enough following to do that. So if you're looking at the following, uh, I'm sure Zeke's is, is right up there with anybody, you know, musically talented, you know, before Cole Beasley was signed with the Bills, I, I would say it would have been oh. him because um, he, he had some uh, ability. He had some wordplay. I don't know how I don't know if he could do shows and how well that would go or not. But I don't know. I thought he was I thought he was solid. Didn't you No, maybe for what it was? Yeah. It's certainly better than you would expect it to be from uh, coming from him, I guess. I can't think of anybody on this current team, though. I like, thought uh, like Zach Martin, that... maybe it was Travis Frederick. Didn't one of them play guitar at some point? Maybe I'm making that no. up. Dan Bailey. Like an acoustic, no. I feel like an acoustic guitar was a, no. a part of the some something they, they – yeah, definitely Dan Bailey. But I feel like there was a – I've seen, seen the old acoustic in the locker room before from somebody – so yeah, maybe Jalen Smith, I. maybe Demarcus Lawrence. I don't know. Amari kind of has a an attitude for that too. I would think he he could do uh, do something. It's the greatest Cowboys song ever, "Oklahoma Nights" by Troy Aikman. It's the only Cowboys song. I don't know about best. Oh jeez, I, I didn't. Even they know. need I to about that. That needs to be their new touchdown song. What is Rattles their song right now? On 66. Imagine them scoring in that. It's just hey, what's, slow paced country. <laughs> what's the song that they play right now after a oh, touchdown score? Oh, it's it, it's one of those. It's like a country it's one song, of those right? Jason Aldean or Luke Bryan or something. One of those. Uh, I've had people ask me about this before cowboy, and I couldn't tell them. I'm going to score a touchdown. It's like something. Wow. It's like a it's a very generic rock country song that has the word cowboy in it. I'm pretty sure, or Texas, or some connection. It does have Texas in it. It's a Texas touchdown, and we're gonna score one. Uh, Texas when I die. Is that what it's called? Just search Cowboys touchdown song. Is that what you search? Um, Cowboys. You just kind of mixed in like. You kind of mixed in that song with the Dairy Queen, like that DQ is what, like about Texas song. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> that's what it sounded like. It literally, that's what it sounded like you did. You know what I'm talking about? He's like, DQ. That's what I like about Texas. Texas. You've never heard that before? Uh, no. No? Oh, yeah, I've Dude, heard the, the DQ I, thing. Yeah. 
but I can't find I anything. Isn't that what DQ stands for? Is Dairy Queen? Yeah. I've known that. I've known uh, that. I, I know the Packers. What did you say? Out. What do you say? Do you think the name? You think the name of it is called Texas? What? It's something uh, with. Uh, it's some country. It was, uh, this was their song in the '80s. In the '80s, it was uh, "When I Die, Just Let Me Go to Texas" by Ed Bruce. Um, now I am I'm frantically searching, and, and I'm looking. Okay, so the Colts play a horn. Uh, they just play a horn. Uh, see the Falcons, the Cardinals, the Lions, and Jets all do "Song Two by Blur, which is woohoo! That's pretty good, right? Um, get ready for this is what the Broncos play. What was talking about? Seven Nation Army for the Ravens, Thunderstruck for the Texans, Jump Around by the Seahawks, uh, Let Me Clear My Throat by DJ Cool for the Chiefs and Rams. Um, 49ers have something called the 49er Fight Song. The Titans do This Is How We Roll by the Florida-Georgia line. Um, the Jaguars do something called The Bro Him by Pennywise. Okay, I'm, I'm almost to the Cowboys, guys. Number 18 on this list that I found online randomly. The Panthers do Boom Boom by Big Head Todd and the Monsters. Nice. <laughs> At 17, the Cowboys do Cowboys and Cut Cigars by The Burning of Rome. Mm. Excuse so sound me? country. <laughs> that doesn't sound like any... Thing I've ever heard either, but if you played it, I might know, right? Cowboys. Did you say Burning of Rome? That sounds like a metal song. The, I don't know. Uh, and the one they had was like seriously, it was it was uh, Brad Paisley or one of those that we've mentioned earlier. Well, what if the Burning of Rome though is a country band? I'm just saying, what if? Maybe. I doubt it. Has everyone Did, lost their desire? Yeah. To talk about this. <laughs> well, hey. If he if Dak signs a, a long term deal tomorrow, God forbid, we'll be back. How about that? I'm here, man. I'm uh I'm off work my at my real job all week, so this'll be uh I'm I'm around if we need some emergency breaking cowboys news. Excellent. Maybe maybe someone will some maybe someone on the team will say something real edgy or something and we can, you know, talk about that. Excellent. Trade for Jamal Adams. I don't know. There will always be Cowboys right. news to talk about, KT. Cowboys probably need to get to work on their own fight song, though. For you know, we should probably probably figure that out. Um, for Kent Garrison, the producer and band leader of this thing, <laughs> you can go check out his work if you just search Kent Garrison online. I bet you can find a bunch of oh, Kent Garrison don't. playing in front of crowds of one hundred thousand. Please don't. You've played in front of a crowd of a hundred thousand people, sir. Don't deny it. Don't run from it. A guy who's played in front of a crowd of nine at a local coffee shop, Father John Mashoda, and I'm Kevin KT Turner. This has been an Off the Rails episode of About Them Cowboys. <laughs>